Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this life. We thank you for strength. We thank you for blessing us. We thank you for keeping us. We thank you for shining down upon us. We thank you that your word is true, that everything the enemy tries to do is already defeated. We know that you have a calling for all those who come into this faith, and that is to walk in the light of Christ, to be obedient to the will that you have for us. And part of that will is to stand against lies, against falsehood, against things that do not align with your truth and what you have called to be the truth, the absolute truth. Lord, we pray that as we listen to the teachings and the experiences and things that is recorded in your word, that we'll have an open and receptive heart, that we allow this indisputable truth to defeat everything that the enemy is trying to do. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So one of the biggest things that we are faced with today in the faith is whether or not what we hear, what we see, what we experience is true. Is it from God? Is it truly his word? Could it be a prophecy that is uh, we're trying to evaluate? Uh, is it someone who um, looks to be a, uh, a teacher or a minister or a preacher or some type of leader in the church or among the body of believers? And is what they're presenting is accurate to what we are supposed to be following behind and listening to. This is one of the toughest topics in the church institutions of today because most people who come really take it as face value. You know, you come into a church and rightfully so, you are gladly welcomed into the church if you go to a pretty decent uh, church group and they smile, they greet you. I remember I used to go to a church where, you know, before we got to hear the pastor's message, she would make everyone stand up and hug at least three or maybe five people and we'll all sing a song. And it would seem like a very welcoming experience. And the more you get that feeling, the more you say, well, you know what? This is truth. This is where I need to be. This is where I belong. And while that may be true, many of us find ourselves becoming comfortable in what we hear so much so that we never really look at what's being said to us. We never take the time to really evaluate the teachings of a person. And the sad part to this is that we fall into a system where we are sometimes, a lot of times, we're being led astray with uh, very simple and comfortable truths. Things that don't really rock us, you know, don't really disturb us. And because we are falling in love, I guess you want to say, with what seems to be or what appears to be right, we actually are walking not in the will of God because we don't know the word of God for what it really says and what it stands for, the truth. Today, you have many doctrines. Many, many doctrines out there that are ultimately created by the minds of men. 
They are philosophies. And they came from what someone thought about God's work, their perspective, their understandings, uh, their feelings. And Jesus Christ warned us about this. He told us that we have to be mindful of the doctrine of the Pharisees. He said, because they were going to come into the body of believers, they were going to come into uh, church institutions uh, dressed as uh, uh, sheep, but ultimately are wolf, wolves, ravenous wolves, and they're going to bring traditions to the faith. They're going to bring requirements and expectations that will make you look holy. It will make you look righteous, but at the end of the day, to Christ is completely unrighteous. He told the Pharisees uh, that because of their traditions, that they put above God's law, his commands, his word, he said that they make his word of no effect. He said that people will literally have the kingdom of heaven shut up in their face because of how they follow things that was never commanded by God. One example was the washing of hands. There were certain requirements of how they washed their hands before they ate. And they pointed out that Jesus' disciples were eating without washing their hands, particularly in a certain way. And this is what sparked that conversation of how these traditions that they have really stand between man doing God's will and even knowing his will. Because when you have you know, a lengthy degree of, of rules and regulations and traditions, sometimes it's very hard to see what God's word really means. And one of those religions or institutions, if you will, where people get confused is the Catholic faith. I was uh, communicating with a gentleman on social media not too long ago and he was trying to defend the Catholic faith and saying that they are the actual faith of the Bible. They are called by God. They're the original uh, apostles that took after the apostle uh, uh, Peter, St. Peter. And they are actually the ones who really are doing it the right way. Now, I don't know, uh, you know, how... Well, many people are diverse in what the Catholic faith is, but I can tell you when you compare their rules and rituals, their practices that they have, which are catechisms, and you look at the word of God, you can clearly see there is a distinction between what God has called people to do and what they believe God has called people to do. The gentleman went on to tell me that, uh, they don't worship Mary. They don't believe that she is a goddess as it appears to be from looking outside in. And I can get how people can look at it and have a misunderstanding of how they think of Mary. Because you look at the Catholic faith and there's this uh, image of what they believe Mary looks like all over the place. So it's easy to say, well, that's worshiping Mary. But the gentleman said that he doesn't believe this. He said that he believes that or he he, he uh, knows that 
Mary isn't worshipped. She's just treated as an intercessor. And I told the gentleman, I said, where does this align with the Bible? Where does this align with scripture? And sadly, he was not able to provide anything. He would argue and you get into this idea that he's not a fundamentalist. And, you know, he's uh, he, 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 he went so far into saying uh, that they actually don't believe that the Bible is the complete authority of God. That there is some more revelation that is coming or has come beyond the Bible that helps them walk out what they believe is obedience to God. But even in the catechisms or where they claim that this is supposed to be true, one statement in there says that uh, Mary, through her prayers, will save the souls of the believers. Yet you look at the Bible and it is very clear that the only way salvation takes place is through Jesus Christ. Nowhere in there, there is no indication from Genesis to Revelations that would say Mary is somehow the Savior. And you have billions of people who are of the Catholic faith and most have no clue of what they're actually following. They consider themselves to be believers, Christians, followers of Christ, but don't realize that what they're following is contrary to the very thing they claim to believe in. Yet Christ was clear. He was, he was to the point, and he said that beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were those who bought what they felt like God's word really meant. Deception has been going on for a long time in what we call church. This isn't something new. This isn't something that just happened. You know, I think 2020 when churches closed, a lot of people got the wrong idea that the great falling away took place. Because people left church and churches closed and now many struggle to stay open because people won't come back to church. But the truth is, the great falling away happened a long time ago. One of the big indications of this is when we had churches introduce the progressive Christianity, the social gospel Christianity, that basically whatever we did in the church had to mirror what the world's expectations were. Are So that way we don't look like we are hateful to the world. Paul clearly shows that there should not be a woman of authority in a church. He said, I don't permit, I don't give them the green light to have authority and to teach. But with all the arguments about how masculinity is toxic and men has been holding women back, that stems all throughout society, when you look at church institutions uh, in the same society, they say, well, they don't allow women to preach. So therefore, they must be uh, a toxic institution or a church. So what do they do? They open up the door to say, we're not that kind of people. So come on in and do what it is that you believe is right so that way we can 
not turn people away. This is another twisted idea about, you know, the love of Jesus Christ. Because you tell someone the truth and they get upset and they say, you've ran that person away. You've, you've, you didn't show them love. You didn't wrap your arms around them. Well, there were a lot of people who walked away from Jesus Christ. In fact, there were many disciples at one point who left him. And he never said, look, you can't hang out with me. You can't walk with me. You know, I don't like what you guys are doing, so you can't spend time in my presence. He didn't say anything like that. He simply told them the truth and they left. They said, who could accept these teachings? And they walked away. But we've twisted it, or at least in church institutions, we've accepted the twisted idea that when you tell someone the facts, when you tell someone what Jesus Christ said himself, you can literally uh, repeat his words. And now they are considered to be words of hate and not of love. And really, this is just a doctrine. Because if you start with one false doctrine... All it does is create more false doctrines. We've all heard the story that if you tell a lie, in order to keep that lie going, you have to tell another lie and then tell another lie. And before you know it, you told so many lies that you don't even know what the truth is. And that's what we see today in many, many, many church institutions, many denominations. They originated off a lie, a lot of them here in America. The, the twisted version of God's word, the compelling version, the com world conformed version of God's word. And when you have people grow up in these institutions, they think they're walking according to the will of God because my great grandfather was a part of the, the ministry. And then my grandfather and my father and so forth and so on. But sadly, we don't take that time, that very, very much needed time to look at what we follow, what we uh, are listening to, what we stand behind. Christ said over 2000 years ago that many shall be deceived because of false doctrines, false prophets, false apostles, false Christ. And we see that today. That is one of the most evident things that you cannot argue with today. It's so, and what's so amazing is that Satan has been so deceptive. He worked his deceiving skills so well that you would walk down a street and on all four corners, there is a church institution that all say they believe in Christ, but all have a different form of doctrine. That is some powerful deception. Why couldn't we all be one on that one street? But you got Baptists on one and you got the Methodists on the other. Then you got a non-denominational and then the Church of Christ on the other. And we say we're all brothers in Jesus Christ. We're all sisters in Jesus Christ. But yet our doctrines are different. Our understandings are different. If we don't take the time to know the word of God, we'll be missing out on some very important things. Walking in his will is one. We have to understand that there is only one doctrine 
And that is Christ. That's it. It's not what we think about Christ. It's not what we feel about his word. It's what he said and what we are obligated to uphold, what we are called to stand with. At the end of the day, either we believe or we don't. That's it. If God wanted our uh, perspective or opinion, then he would have asked us. But when you look at biblical history, you'll find that there was not a single time in the Bible where God asked a single man anything beyond Adam. He asked Adam to name the animals of the, in the garden, and that was the last time he asked men what they thought. Since then, he's been giving out commands. He's been giving out directions. He's been sending forth prophets to speak his truth. And it's always been either you believe it or you don't. You either accept it or you don't. So, yes, you know, our obligation in the faith is to stand for what the word of God truly represents. And it takes us knowing the word of God in order to stand for it. In order to do exactly what he's commanded us to do. And when you look at the word of God and you look at who he's called, Christ is called, you can see that there wasn't any wavering or opinionated discussions about the will of God. Every time you listen to Paul speak, he didn't talk about how he felt things ought to be. And anytime he gave a direction or he gave a a mandate, it was based on what Christ had spoken of or what was written in scripture before Christ. It was consistent with the Bible. You know, and Paul, he stood against every worker of iniquity in the word of God, period. He didn't hold back. He didn't try to make it seem, you know, comfortable and easy for people to receive it. He spoke the truth. Which is truly love. I know a lot of people say, you know, don't say things, don't talk to people about certain things, just pray for them. But the truth is, if you love someone, you're going to tell them the truth. You're not going to let them walk around living a lie. It's important. And he always stood against these false apostles, these false preachers. And in and, and, and 2 Corinthians chapter 11 Verse 12, Paul says, but I do what I do and I will also continue to do that I may cut off the opportunity of those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things which they boast. And he said, for such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Now, when I look at this, I think of how Paul, you know, he's talking about how he used to actually rob uh, churches that were fake churches. These apostles, he would show up there and have them uh, take their their funds. And he would use this money to uh, pour into the other churches. 
And I was looking at this and I started thinking about the preachers who preach today, who's been doing it for a long time, especially in the denominations. The ones that are, you know, mass group crowds that are have churches all over the, well, the United States and the world. And it, he says that the reason why he continues to do what he do, because these people are false prophets. And Christ made mention of who false prophets are. He said they bring doctrines that are con contrary to the word of God. They offer half-truths or traditions that does not make the word of God effective. And so when you look at these different institutions and churches, you have to ask yourself, does people even really know that they're preaching falsehood? When you go to a theology school or you go to seminary school and they show you how to you know, put together a sermon and preach and, and you have to pass these exams in order to be certified and sign off under that particular uh, institution, do you know that when they say these are the certain things you need to do, but they're not in the Bible, do you really understand that you are walking in falsehood and leading people in that same falsehood? It's, it's, it's a challenge to point this stuff out. But understand, when you look at the Bible, you don't hear about 500 disciples. You don't hear about 1,000, 2,000. You hear about 11. And one apostle. And Jesus didn't say that a few people would be deceived. He said many people would be deceived. So there, there's a big lopsided that's going on in church institutions that are confusing a lot of people. Because you look from the outside in and you say, well, that must be a very fruitful institution. Because they are a mass crowd. They have a lot of people coming in. So they got to be doing God's will. Why would a bunch of people want to show up on a Sunday like that if it's not God's will? That's an easy way to deceive people. You know, there's a pastor. I want to say he's in Alabama. And he made a statement that if you vote Democrat, then he don't want you in his church. He doesn't want you inside the institution that he's preaching in if you vote for a particular party. Now, where does this align with the Bible? But people were shouting, they were yelling, they were screaming, they were hollering. Amen, hallelujah. About time the pastor said something, he stood up and... This is a big time pastor now in this season. But because they sit under falsehood, they sit under lies, because they just take what the pastor says for it and not the word of God for it, 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 it sounds right. He must be leading people because he has a massive turnout all the time. Deceitful workers is what the Apostle Paul called them. Meaning they have hidden works. They're doing things deceitfully. They're not being upfront and honest. There's something that they want that they're not going to tell you to your face. Because if they did, then you probably wouldn't stay. If, they, if you knew the truth, the truth behind their agenda. But again, there's only one 
doctrine, and that is the Bible. If it is, and if it's not fully consistent, there cannot be deviations from God's word. I know some people say, well, you know, some people make mistakes. They, 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 they're, you know, falling short of the glory of God. You, you, when you, there's no such thing as making a mistake when it comes to God's word. And here's the reason why it's God's word. It's right there in front of us. All we have to do is repeat what is said and believe in that. The moment we start adding what we think and what we feel is the moment we are preaching falsehood. The moment we're speaking lies, leading people astray. Just like there was a, a pastor a while ago who claimed to have a prophecy from God that uh, Donald Trump would be reelected in office. He said this is God showed it to him. He believes it. And of course, he doesn't get reelected and everyone calls him out. And then he comes out to say, well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and uh, re re retract my statement, my prophecy. Because it wasn't it was human error. And someone told me, well, you know what? I really believe this is a man of God. He just made a mistake. OK, let's 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 look at that. In comparison to the Bible, not how we feel, not what someone else has told us, but what does the Bible say? And can you ever find a time in Scripture where a prophet spoke what they felt and not what God said and then had to retract their prophecy? If you're saying God said something and it didn't happen, whether you retract it or not, that's not God speaking. The Bible says clearly that my word should not return to me void. So if someone says something and doesn't come to pass and they said God said, then it wasn't the God of the Bible. It was a God of this world. But many people follow behind the individual because they are comfortable hearing what he has to say. And never taking the due diligence to go and look in the word of God to vet it. And sadly, we live in a time today that when you bring stuff like that out, people want to fight you to your face because you didn't offend it. Their preacher, even if it's absolute truth. But it, it comes down to us believing God's word, period. We have to accept it and accept it as his word and there's no deviation how slight it may be from the truth. And Jesus talks about this in John chapter 7 where it shows us that his brothers, his actual blood brothers didn't believe. And Jesus tells them in verse 16 in John chapter 7 he said Jesus answered and said to them my doctrine is not mine but his who sent me. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether it, whether I speak from my own authority. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Jesus makes it clear, and he's the son of God. He is part of the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
And yet he himself says, I don't tell you what I want to tell you. This is not my doctrine. This is not what I came up with. This is what God has told me to tell you. So when you have a prominent preacher comes out and said, I believe, I think, I feel that Jesus Christ is not necessarily the only way that everybody can have a pathway to Jesus through their own faith. We should have alarm bells ringing loud in our head. What did this person just say? And we should get in the word and vet it. You know, going back to the catechisms of the Catholic faith, you know, they say that Mary was uh, pure her whole life and never had any sin, no original sin. That, of course, she had given birth to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. But according to the Bible, Jesus had brothers from Mary, actual blood brothers. I believe it was seven brothers. There's a few times that these statements are made known to us that he had siblings. But again, the sad part that a lot of people are uh, walking in is that they grow up in institutions like this and they take whatever the pope, the preacher, the elder and the deacon uh, has said to be true. And some people through their diligence of searching out the truth of themselves, find the light of Christ, the true light of Christ, not these uh, these fake apostles that masquerade around as uh, angels of Christ, but the real ones, the real Christ, and they navigate their way out of the lie that they've been living under oftentimes their whole life. And that's why we need people to walk in the will of God fearlessly and boldly about everything that's in the scriptures. Not the ones who got a niche or this one thing that feels good to preach on because it keeps turning up a big crowd, but the one that sometimes turns almost everybody away. Because Jesus did that a few times. Cleared the crowds with truth. We must understand this in this season. So many people believe that the world is going to turn around, that things are going to one day get better here on earth. And, you know, they got this hope for a, a new normal, a brighter day. But when you look back over the history of time, it has always gotten worse. There's never been a time where things were better. Maybe in people's lives, you know, when they overcome obstacles or they get through hurdles, they have these testimonies. But as, as, a, as a world combined, the operation of the world, it has become more and more wicked. And there is no turning back. You know, I was looking at this, um, uh, this, this uh, article about how they have these drag queens in New York showing up at schools and libraries to put on shows for kids. Putting money into these drag queens, you know, underwear. And the taxpayers are paying for this because the government give funding to these people. 
in these public libraries and schools. So there, you know, you have to be spiritually or willfully blind to not see that the world is not getting better and it will not get better. We are living in the last days. All these things the Apostle Paul spoke of, Christ spoke of on many occasions. And we have to have the obedience and the heart for Christ to check everything we hear. I truly believe that people will go to hell because they won't be obedient to the words they hear. They'll take it as, well, that's either a lie or face value, but never validate it and never walk according to it. And the reason why I believe this is because the Savior himself said, not everybody who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a tough statement to tell a lot of people today. It don't get too many amens. People aren't really shouting about that truth. Because it's not a comfortable one. It's not a truth that makes you want to say, oh, yeah, that's cool. And sadly, though it's not the most appeasing truth, it is a truth we need to hear and apply to. And I remember several years ago when I was attending college, I was going to this a youth Bible study program, this college Bible study um, program every Wednesdays. And I was kind of getting into reading the Bible more diligently. And I asked the youth pastor, I said, you know, the Bible says that we have to, um, we have to be baptized in order to enter the kingdom of God. I said, you look at this, this teaching here where Jesus is confronted by a ruler of the Jewish council, a Pharisee, Nicodemus, and he tells Jesus, you know, he said, you know, how do you do these things? And he told him, he said, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. But then the pastor tells me, well, that, you know, I can't tell people that. I said, why can't you tell them that if that's what Jesus Christ said? And he couldn't give me an answer. And I thought it was one of the most devastating things because I was a young person looking to find the answer to this truth and why this pastor won't stand behind it. And I've heard people even say that, well, you know what? That baptism isn't really about getting in water. He wasn't talking about that. You don't have to be baptized in water. But yet Jesus tells Nicodemus, he said, if you can't understand earthly things, how can you understand spiritual things, heavenly things? If you don't believe these simple earthly understandings, how can you grasp the big truths, the big, deep spiritual truths? And you look at the context of what Christ is talking about. He's talking about if it's earthly, he's talking about you have to be born again through water and spirit regeneration. You have to. That's what he said. Or you cannot enter the kingdom of God.
But yet, as again, that due diligence to go and look at the word of God and take it for exactly what it is, for face value. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to stand by it. I'm going to be in it 100%. And, you know, there's times we're not even going to grab the truth at that moment when we hear it. But we still have to believe no matter what. When Peter walked on water, he didn't grasp all that Jesus Christ was doing. He just knew he was out there. He didn't understand how he was able to do it. He didn't understand why he was doing it. But he had to believe that Christ was out there so that he can go out there and do it too. And it was the doubt that came in in the very words that Christ gave him that caused Peter to fail at doing the will of God. Though he never understood until he told him, you of little faith. Why are you afraid? We have to take the word of God as is. And we have to stand by it no matter what we experience, no matter what it looks like. Because at the end of the day, that's what faith is. Faith isn't just simply believing in what we say is, is we believe in. It's ultimately standing by what we believe in, contrary to what we see, what we experience. That is the evidence of our faith. That is the substance of our faith. We're not made to grab everything in the present. But all that we need to know, God wanted us to know, he gave us the word of God. The complete authority, not some other apostle who comes along and tries to claim to be a leader of Jesus Christ, not some preacher or whoever the case may be. But we have to say that, you know what, God's word is finalized in my heart and nothing else can, can tell me otherwise. No one else can take me off course. That is, that is the only true doctrine, the word of God, period. There is nothing out there. I don't care what denomination exists. Know this. The denomination was created on someone else's idea about the word of God. Church of Christ, God of Christ, uh, Latter-day Saints, whatever the case may be. Because if you look at them, I've looked at several. And I can find irregularities in every last one of them as it relates to the word of God. And that tells me clearly that they didn't, it did not come from God. No, there is, you cannot convince me through the word of God that he said establish a denomination. And the reason why I can say that Validly, because God said he is not the author of confusion. Why should I attend one church and you have your different perspective about God's word than the church across the street? That's very important to realize. Because that one slight of information, that one slick turn could be the very thing we need to keep us from walking in the will of God. It wasn't nothing but the wind and the waves that got Peter to stop believing. 
and he started to sink immediately. I really believe that this is why a lot of us who say we believe can't walk in the will of God. While we are constantly being beat by the enemy at every turn. Because there are certain tactics and tools we need in this fight for the faith that we don't have because someone said, well, that's not necessary. I know he preached that. I know that was the word of God. But, you know, that was during their time and their mannerisms. Or he was talking specifically to another group of people. He wasn't talking to you. All these different things I've heard from time and time again. And I see the same people walking in complete defeat, being deceived to their face and don't realize they're being deceived. How in the world can you follow behind the Pope, believing that he is the follow? He follows the exact lead of St. Peter, Peter of the Bible, when the Pope is working hand and foot with uh, Islam and Judaism, saying that Catholics, Islam, and Judaism uh, is all in one faith. We're all the same. And they're building this one world church that should be completed this year and say we're all supposed to be the same. And they're calling it Chrislam, Christian and Islam. Yet the same person that wants to argue the truth I give them from the word of God tells me that they believe that Islam is the true religion that is against Christ. It is the antichrist religion. Yet the same person you follow is partnering with them. Deception. That's how good Satan is. How else can you convince a third of the angels to go against God? How else can you show up in the garden right after God leaves and get Adam and Eve to do the very thing God said don't do before he walks out the garden? So we don't take that time to vet, to validate, to confirm what is being heard. We'll find ourselves being deceived and thinking we're walking in the calling of God. Thinking that we're walking in his blessing. Because we are ultimately following behind somebody. And that is not, is not Christ. That's why I make it a strong point to, to not take the glory. People say, hey, that was a good word. I love your post. I love what you do. To God be all the glory. To God be all the glory. Because I've seen it in my own personal life. And I've seen it in the lives of so many people. That as soon as you... Take that little turn. Now you're walking down a road with a trajectory that doesn't take you where God wants you to go. But I don't know how many people walk up and shake the hand of the Pope, kiss him on the cheek. Say, oh, I love this, this, this pastor here. He's on fire for the Lord. He's this, he's that. He's fallible like anybody else. And if we don't uh, believe that, we think that he he's just rolling high in the spirit of God. And we just going to say, hey, I, I love what you said. And we don't go and validate what we said. We are walking in condemnation. God clearly says it. I'm a jealous God. I share my glory with no man. And we need to really, really see that in this season. It's been on. It's been in my spirit so strongly 
I mean, I, I there was a there was probably at least three or four times over the past week or so where someone would say something in argument with what I shared regarding God's word, and my spirit would just light on fire because just watching people walk in this condemnation, deceived and don't even know it, it's a disturbing feeling. Just, hey, I, I just take that. This is it. I'm going to take what they say for it. And I'm like, can't you see that they just tricked you to your face? Devastating. And I believe that should be the desire of everyone who say they believe. We have to stand for the faith. We have to stand for the truth. We can't just walk any kind of way. We can't just do what we want to do and say, well, go pray about it. Jesus is Lord. Jesus didn't pray for one false prophet. He did not pray for one false teacher. He called them out to their face, oftentimes in public. There is no prayer for a false teacher. Understand this. They come from Satan. You can't pray for a false teacher that comes from Satan. They were sent as an apostle of the Antichrist so that they can deceive you. You can't pray against that. You have to fight against that. And prayer is not a war tactic. Prayer is to prep you for war. Your war tactic is the word of God. That's how we do battle with the enemy. That's how we fight against vain imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We don't drop to a knee and start praying. Jesus never did that. The Apostle Paul never did. Not one disciple ever dropped to the knee and said, oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, we have to stand and fight. The armor of God, he said, put on the full armor of God. And after you've done everything you can, he says, stand. He didn't say take a knee. He says, stand on the truth. Stand on the will. Stand on the word of God. Even when Jesus came and he performed miracles, he healed people. He brought them back to life. He didn't pray for it. In fact, when he went to, to, uh, to after four days, uh, when Lazarus in the grave, he looked up to the father. He said, you hear me. He said, I know you always hear me. He said, now I do this for those who are around so that they may believe. He didn't say, now I'm going to say a prayer. But, again, I grew up in the church where if you was going through something, what did they say? Pray about it. And yet, Jesus never said pray about it. In fact, he doesn't even make many statements about prayer. He said, the disciples asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. He gave them a prayer. And from that Time on, he showed them what to do. Spoke the infallible, unadulterated word to the face of the enemy, casting down lies, rebuking Satan left and right, and his children that came out to try to destroy him. This is a spiritual warfare. And if we're not fighting the way Christ fought, we're going to lose. We're going to be defeated. He is the author of our faith. He wrote it. He outlined how to carry this thing out. 
And we need to step in him, through him, with him, the way he did it, so we can win this battle. Be that salt. Be the light. Be the, the image of Christ in the face of the enemy. Because like he said, the harvest is plenty, but the labors are few. And we need to work while it's day. Because when night comes, nobody's going to be able to work. When the Holy Spirit is no longer operating here and, and the children of God are removed from this hell on earth, there ain't going to be nobody witnessing. Ain't nobody going to be living proof. It's going to be utter destruction. So while we're here, knowing the truth, seeing the truth, understanding the season we are living in right now, we have to be obedient and do the will of him that sent us. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for another opportunity. I thank you for your love, your word, your truth. I thank you for giving us a fire to fight for you. I thank you that you are the only true living God. You are the righteous, the holy one, the one that is above all, in all, and through all. And because of who you are, we are not, we are not walking in defeat when we walk in your will. We thank you. We give you the grace or the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. For you are Alpha and Omega, first and the last and the beginning and the end. To you be all the glory, today, before, and forever. In your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.